Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible, so let's get into God's Word together. If you have a copy of God's Word, find your way to Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. <clears throat> the Hebrew people enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. A great debate can exist, but the Bible bears out that it is hundreds of years. The exact hundredth of year, I guess tenth. Is it 430? Is it 400, 430, 450, or 480? Take your pick. All seem to be referenced. For hundreds of years, the Hebrew people were enslaved in Egypt. They cried out to God, and I want to bring a reminder specifically this week as we work through this plague, there is a shift in plagues. You remember that I said several weeks ago that as the plagues go on, it's almost like there's a foot steadily increasing the accelerator of the plagues, and they pick up an intensity, and they intensify. Each plague, they intensify more. This is, this is going from like, I don't know, what, is it past like 45 miles an hour when you're putting the pedal down and all of a sudden like the engine shifts again, you're like, oh, we're going faster now. That's, what, that's the moment we're in right now in verses 8 through 12 in Exodus chapter 9. They are accelerating and this is a big acceleration in this plague. I want us to remember that Israel had been enslaved for hundreds of years and that they cried out to God in their distress. And the Bible says that God heard them. And the Bible says that God remembered his covenant with them. And the Bible says that God saw their affliction. And the Bible says that God knew their suffering. And the Bible says that God came to deliver his people. In delivering them from their bond of slavery, God is bringing judgment on the king and nation that holds them captive and refuses to let them go. In pleading and crying out for deliverance from Egypt, God is answering their cry, and as he answers, he is executing his judgment on the king and the nation that holds them and will not let them go. God is delivering his people. He is redeeming his people. He will dwell with his people. In bringing his judgment on them, God has turned Egypt's water to blood. Let's not forget what's happened to this point. All of the waters of Egypt turned to blood. Frogs came upon the land, and they were in the bread, and in the ovens, and in the bedrooms, and in the beds. And they died and left great heaps. And then the gnats, swarming on everything, and in everything, and making everything inconvenient. And then the flies, after the gnats, on everything, including the dead fish that came out of the bloody water, and now on the heaps of frogs, and now... After the flies comes the plague on the livestock, and every form of livestock in Egypt died, and now the land is becoming ruined, but not yet completely ruined. The Egyptians, Pharaoh himself, the magicians that wield the power of their pantheon of gods, 
being confronted every step of the way in every action that God takes to deliver his people. He is obliterating the hope that Pharaoh and Egypt have in their gods. They are powerless. Yet, amidst all of that, five plagues in, going into our sixth, Pharaoh himself is refusing to obey God. And now in the sixth plague, things get more humiliating and extremely personal. Would you read with me Exodus 9, 8 through 12? And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils, breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had spoken. Pray with me today. God, we need your help. I am not able to communicate your word unless you speak through me. Father, we are not able to understand your word unless your spirit opens our eyes, enlightens our minds. Father, we are here now, I pray, as your people, with open hearts and opened ears and eyes to see and hear and learn We are in desperate need of your help. Father, as we examine this text and what you have for us to learn from the sixth plague upon Egypt, would you teach us? I pray, Father, that in our time, sinners would be humbled to repentance, and I pray salvation, if not already. I pray, Father, that the holiness you have called us to would be promoted among your people and that we would live holy as you are holy. And I pray, God, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted far above every name in our lives and in our town and in our world, that Christ would be exalted to his rightful place as king. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sores on man and beast. I pray that we will heed the warnings. I have said for several weeks, I have two things I want us to see. I have things I want us to learn. May we learn this from the text this week. I simply pray that we will heed the warnings that sound forth from these four short verses. What are they? One, in our refusal to obey God, he may strike us physically. And everybody said, thanks, pastor. This just got comfortable. In our refusal to obey God, he might strike us physically or those around us, even to death. And the opportunity, number two, the opportunity for the hard-hearted to obey God has an expiration date. If you are here this morning and your heart is closed off to the Lord, I am sounding a warning for God in your life that that hardness of heart has an expiration date. You cannot continue hardened and die in your hardness of heart and expect God to have mercy on you in the hardness of your heart. There is an expiration date to obey God. 
One, I pray that we will understand and heed the warning that refusal to obey God may cause us physical harm and the opportunity to obey God has an expiration date. I mentioned Job last week, and I think that Job is very worth talking about in these plagues. I haven't mentioned him prior, but as we see the livestock and now the boils, I think that Job and the contrast between Job and Pharaoh and Egypt becomes very necessary. I mentioned Job last week. He was obedient and lost everything. All his possessions, all of his children... His wife told him to curse God and die. And then he was afflicted with sores, the Bible says, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And to find relief, he used a broken piece of pottery to scrape the stuff off of him. He was in misery. While being more righteous than anyone. Your obedience does not guarantee you will not suffer contrary. Christ says, in this world, you will have trouble. So it is very likely that your obedience will cause you more trouble, but not the same kind of trouble as your disobedience. Your disobedience will certainly cause you trouble. Job loses everything, yet was obedient. Pharaoh is losing everything, and he's disobedient. Physical ailment, disease seen throughout scripture as a form of God's judgment. But I want to make these notes before that thought runs wild and then we'll move on into our text. Physical ailment. How many of you know someone in your life personally that is living with or dealing with something that they will never be cured from? I'll put my hand up because I do. Both my mom and my dad. And some in this room, some of your family, some of my extended family. Oh, Why were they disobedient to God then? Because they suffer with something. Well, let's understand physical ailment. Physical ailment is a result of the fall of man. People get sick because sin ruined us. People get sick and die because sin ruined humanity. Physical ailment is a result of the fall of man. People get sick Sin has compromised us. One point. Another, physical ailment may be the result of God's judgment on sin. Look at Pharaoh in the text. Sores broke out on man and beast, all the Egyptians. Why? Because Pharaoh refused to obey. I have points on him later on. David lost a son because of his disobedience. Disobedience may bring the judgment of God in the form of physical ailment and problems in your life. Physical ailment may exist for the testing and perseverance of your faith. It may be that like Job, God allows your righteousness, which is not yours, it's Christ's in you, to be tested that you may have greater faith in God as he sees you through, perhaps not to a healing cure of that physical ailment. Your physical ailment may exist for the testing and perseverance of your faith. Physical ailment may, like the blind man in John chapter 9, 
and I don't think we pay attention to this nearly enough. Who sinned? Lord, this guy's blind. Who sinned? Him or his father? And Jesus said, neither. This man was born this way that the works of God may be displayed in him. However, today, as we work through this text, physical ailment is the result here of disobedience and God's judgment. So I make all those distinctions prior to getting to the text because I don't want you to run away with, I've got a sniffle, I've got a cough, am I disobeying God? I don't know, are you? Like, we probably should always be checking in our life when things are going poorly with your health and you don't understand, are you? Obeying God. Keep the main thing the main thing. Is my life right with the Lord? I mean, physical ailment should be one of the greatest things that pushes us to the throne where we find grace and mercy and help in time of need. I, I believe I am. I, I believe I am. Then, then let's continue on and persevere in prayer and faith that, one, as we sang, as we've meditated on the thought, and I pray that it is in your heart and in your mind more often than not, God is good. And so if you are experiencing something that is really bad, then cling to the fact that God is good. I can hold on to that. If all else fails, I can trust and know that God is good. And through faith in Jesus Christ, I'm not worried about the physical limitations of this life because my hope transcends it into eternity with Jesus. Into our text, Pharaoh is disobedient. And here he is stricken, he and all of his people, for their refusal to obey God. I want us to see some things about the sixth plague, verses 8 through 10. The sixth plague comes in the pattern of the third plague. We talked about this briefly. I've not been drawing it out, but the plagues come in three sets of three, and the first, second, and third in each set of plagues come in the same way. Rise early in the morning and go to Pharaoh as he goes to the water. Go to Pharaoh and say, do this. One, two, three, each plague, culminating in the eventual tenth plague on Egypt. The sixth plague comes similar to the third plague, which is the plague of gnats found in 8, 16 through 20, or 19, I think. Note the similarities between the two. 9, 8. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. Look back at verse 16 of chapter 8. The Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. Similarities not only in what they are doing, but similarities in the dust of the earth being fine. And then the soot, the fine dust of the kiln being fine. Both of those substances being a visual representation of what God was going to do in the air to the Egyptians. Strike the dust, take the soot, it shall become both patterns and both plagues. Look at Exodus 8, 18. They became, the dust, gnats on man and beast. End of the verse. Look at verse 10 of chapter 9. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. Right on the heels of all the livestock in Egypt dying, it says back in 
verse 6, all the livestock of the Egyptians died. This is another one of those footnote reminders. All forms of their livestock died, but not all of the livestock died because here, our livestock being affected by this plague, boils breaking out on man and beast. So not all of the livestock died, but all types of the livestock died. Deuteronomy 28, 27, I've said before and will forever maintain that Scripture is the best interpretation of Scripture and it is the best commentary on Scripture. Deuteronomy 28, 27 clues us into what the Egyptians are experiencing in this plague. The sores that came on them, the, the skin uh, uh, infection, whatever that may have been. What, what do they call that when it's on the outside of the body? Somebody that's smart and it affects your skin. What do they call that word they call that? Not eczema, but like uh, it's on the skin. What? Psoriasis, maybe? I don't know. It's on the skin. It's topical. It's on the outside. This is not internal for them. It's not physical. It's not viral. It's on their skin. Broke out on them. Deuteronomy 28 clues us in. It says, Moses all of Deuteronomy, but in Deuteronomy 28, Moses declares to Israel what will happen if they disobey God. That's a brilliant link for us, and we should pay attention to the fact that Pharaoh in Exodus 9 is refusing to obey God. And Moses in Deuteronomy 28 is telling Israel, if you refuse to obey God, and he says to him, uh, Deuteronomy 20, in fact, let's just turn there. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28, 27 and look at it. Because I want you to see things in Scripture, not just listen to your pastor. I want you armed with what the Scripture says. Deuteronomy 28, 27. <clears throat> it's a long chapter. The Lord, if you refuse to obey, Israel, this is Israel. The people that God is delivering in Exodus chapter 9 are being told now, in Deuteronomy 28, if you don't obey. Can you imagine? I want us to just stop briefly and think about this. Think about everything that the Israelites are watching happen to Egypt, the Egyptians and to Egypt and to Pharaoh. Why is it happening? They're refusing to obey. And they're about to enter into the land. Moses is going to be called home to God. And he says to him, says to Israel, the Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt. And with tumors and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. Well, were they aware of what the Egyptians suffered? There's been a distinction the last couple weeks in what the Egyptians suffered and the Israelites being spared. But scripture interpreting scripture and being the best commentary on scripture, Deuteronomy 7.15 says, You are a chosen people. And if you listen and obey, right, there's always blessing and cursing for people that obey and disobey God. God has laid that pattern from the foundation of his people to this day. If you obey, it will be good for you. And if you disobey, it will be bad for you. And so in Deuteronomy 7, it is, if you obey, 7.15, the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on all who hate you. So Deuteronomy, kind of informing us a little bit, what are they dealing with 
These boils come on. You may have different words and different translations here. It says boils. Like when we think boils, we think of like a, a swelling on the skin and a, eventually a pussy thing that breaks open. But was it itching? Like it says tumor and eczema. Like what are they talking about? The best that anybody can really say, because nobody knows, is that this was like some form of leprosy of which there is no cure, which makes Christ's miracles in the New Testament that much greater. He heals what there is no cure for. He removes every infirmity. How awesome. It's never specified what they actually were dealing with here, but it is highly speculative that it was some form of leprosy that broke out among them as judgment of God on them. It broke out on man. It broke out on beast. It is not curable. This plague, we are never told, remember we talked about the acceleration, what has happened in all the other plagues? The water turned to blood and sometime it changed back. The frogs came on the land and at some point they died and left. And the gnats came and they went. And the flies came and they went. And the livestock died, but the death stopped. And now the sores and the boils come on them. And do you know what happens? The Bible never says anything about them ever going away. We are never told, not once, that this plague ends in the Bible. And then Deuteronomy says, of which there is no cure. God is inflicting a permanent judgment in this life on these people for their refusal to obey him. And we should take note of that. And then, if it's not bad enough that they, can you imagine? So they come, (laughs) how did this go? We've seen Moses and Aaron come before Pharaoh. Do you notice that there's no interaction really here between them? It just says, take the soot, and in the sight of Pharaoh, do this thing. No words, no, hey, Pharaoh, uh, if you don't obey, we're, no, just take the, okay, we got the soot, now go throw it in the air, okay. No interaction, no conversation, no opportunity to obey, just the judgment of God for the lack of obedience. You're not obeying Pharaoh, and I'm crushing you in your disobedience. To make matters worse for the Egyptians, this is the last time we see them. Here come the magicians. We have not seen them in a while, this goof troop. The magicians could not stand, verse 11. It doesn't say anything else. The Bible doesn't tell us if that means they couldn't even come before him. The Bible doesn't say that means they like tried, but were like, oh my goodness, I gotta go, I gotta go. They're just itching and a pussy mess oozing all over the floor and they're faces swollen, their eyes are shut. Like, that's what we would picture when we think of boils all over. It doesn't say, it just simply says they could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils, look what it says, came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. I want to remind us, I didn't put it in my notes, but it's mentally in my head, so I'm going to flip to it and share this with you. You remember when we talked about Janus and Jambres back um, when the magicians first kind of came before Moses, I think it was when we talked about them with the snakes. Janice and Jambres, 2 Timothy chapter 3, toward the middle of the chapter, opposed Moses. They will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those men. At this point, they are utterly humiliated. The magicians of Egypt the wielders of the powers of Pharaoh's gods are powerless 
and they are humiliated and their folly is made known. They come before him. They're never seen in scripture again until Paul writes about them to Timothy. The magicians of Pharaoh, the God's magicians could not stand. Whatever it was, whether sores, whether unable to satisfy itch, our greatest understanding of how bad it was is when we see these magicians who have tried. They made water blood. They made frogs. They couldn't do anything about the gnats, though. We didn't see them with the flies. With the gnats, they said this is the finger of God. God himself. Take note. There is disobedience and a refusal to obey. God is now literally humbling, disobedient Egypt to their knees before him. The wording is intentional. They could not stand before Moses. God himself now physically humbling Egypt. And this is why it's such an important plague for us to consider. You notice that up until this point, everything has been something affecting them from outside. The, the blood in the water is inconvenient. The gnats, the flies, the frogs, that's inconvenient. The, the livestock and every form of them dying, that's extremely inconvenient. But now it is on them, physically. The disobedience of Pharaoh and the Egyptians is now being poured out in God's judgment on their physical bodies. You'll note one other thing that it doesn't say here. It does not specifically say that it did not come on the Israelites. There's no mention in this passage about a distinction between peoples. However, we have this phrase at the end of verse 11. Upon all the Egyptians. And when we consider what Deuteronomy tells us, we understand that this plague did not fall on the Hebrew people. The distinction that God put in place back in an earlier plague, the fourth plague with the flies, of the distinction between Egypt and Israel still remains because we're going to continue seeing it. So literary context has us understanding this plague doesn't affect them. From everything we can understand here, Pharaoh himself is writhing in a painful itch and unable to do anything about it. This is where his disobedience has led him. Did he even, it says in the sight of Pharaoh, what happened after this? And when the plague of hail comes up and they present him, how was Pharaoh's condition at that point in time? We don't know, but here comes the judgment of God. And as far as we understand, it is on all of the Egyptians and God is sparing his people. We look through this entire plague, and for disobedience, we consider that now their physical body is being affected. When you examine your life, and you come to understand, I've been really sick, and I've been really disobedient, what should we do? We should turn to God. Father, I do not know if this sickness lies in my disobedience or if it doesn't, but I'm appealing to you, Father, forgive me of my sin. Not make me well. Where do we normally start? I'm sick. I'd like to feel better, God. Rarely is it ever on our knees saying, Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. Pharaoh did not listen as the Lord had spoken. And look at the result of this plague compared to the other plagues. And, but, verse 12, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. <clears throat> the result of this plague 
worded very differently from, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Pharaoh's heart remained hardened. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Back in Exodus chapter 4, verse 21, it was several weeks ago, but it says this, the Lord God said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people of Israel go. And we dealt with the tension of Pharaoh's position before God. We see Pharaoh for the first time. Moses goes before him. I don't know the Lord. I'm not listening. I'm not obeying. I will not do what he says. Here the Lord hardens his heart. He's had five opportunities. Did you notice with this sixth one? No, if you refuse to obey, I will do. That's happened four times. Pharaoh, let my people go. If you refuse, I will do this. Pharaoh refuses, God does this. Four times that happens. Only one time previously with the gnats was there no interaction with Pharaoh and the gnats just came upon the land. He just had opportunity with the livestock. If you obey, if you disobey, I'm going to kill your livestock. And he disobeys and he hardens his heart. And here, God sends his judgment and what happens? And what happens is God does not allow Pharaoh to soften his heart and he gives him no opportunity to obey. And we should pay very careful attention to this interaction. We understand the position of Pharaoh. Who is the Lord? I do not know him. I will not obey. In his idolatry and in his pride, Pharaoh has exalted himself up against God. I am God. I will not obey. Then, staffs become snakes. And Pharaoh's magician's staffs get swallowed by Aaron's staff. He hardened his heart. Then the water turned to blood. And he hardened his heart. Then the frogs came. Make him go away. And he did. And when he saw there was a respite, he hardened his heart. And the gnats came. Make them go away. And they did. And he hardened his heart. And the flies came. Make them go away. And he did. And he hardened his heart. And the livestock died. And the death stopped. And he hardened his heart. The lesson that we learn here is not one that we really want to look at. It's not one that we really ever want to talk about. If you sit in most Bible study circles, nobody ever really wants to talk about this. But the reality is that your disobedience has an expiration date on it. Time's up. Time's up. I, the Lord, am gracious and I am merciful, but I have a point in time where I will no longer tolerate your insolence to my righteous, holy name. It's over. And there will be In that moment, no alternative action for us to take. Pharaoh can do nothing. The boils are on him. Every step of the way, every step of the way, Pharaoh, let my people go or else. And he doesn't. Every step of the way. Let them go. And he refused. Let them go. And he refused. And now, Pharaoh and his people are writhing in itchy pain, unable to stand before Moses, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, remember, precisely as he said he would. A brief sermon this morning for us to consider two great points. In our disobedience, God may strike us physically, even to death. Disobedience may lead to physical ailment. It's seen biblically as we talked about in Deuteronomy. Our disobedience may lead to the death around us, 
Seen with David and Bathsheba, who disobeyed God, and God said, because of your sin, I will take that child. Direct link, not even a, well, I think, no, 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 God literally, directly, because of this, this. And no choice. David weeps, he wails, he fasts, he mourns, he pleads, and God takes the child, and David says this is what God said he would do. The Bible puts this reality into everyone's lap. Every person who has ever lived faces this reality. You cannot endure in disobedience to God forever before he will bring his judgment upon you. And it does it for everyone. And when in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. This is why the good news of Jesus Christ is so vitally important for us every single minute of every single day. Because our sin demands a cross. And disobedience will only be allowed to endure for so long. Where else do we see it? Think about where we see God's enduring with sinful man run out. We don't like this topic. But remember that it took Noah a hundred years to build the ark while man persevered in their wickedness. And what happened? Eight persons were saved in the ark. And God closed the door on the rest of humanity. Their wickedness had run out. We see this manifested when we see in, uh, in the, the covenant promise of God to Abraham, your people will come out of slavery and they'll go into the promised land, but the iniquity, remember this weird phrase? The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. I will let them persevere in their sin, but they will only persevere so long God may strike us physically. Understand God is punishing disobedience. When God strikes us physically for disobedience, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, God is right to do so. Obey my word. I won't then you should expect the judgment of God. And then people get so angry when the judgment of God comes upon them. I'm sure Pharaoh's livid. Well, Pharaoh, this is opportunity six of ten, and you're still refusing to obey God. This is your fault, brought on by you from a holy God, and now you're upset about it. I want us to remember, it's very important that I keep this distinction out in front of us. And if you want to if you ever want to have conversation about enduring through physical ailment and persevering, I, I am not an expert in it, but I know people that are enduring with things they'll never be healed from. Was that the judgment of God for disobedience in the life? I want us to remember, not all physical ailment is a result of the judgment of God. Sin has compromised our good health. Every ounce of it. I want to encourage you, if you are suffering from some form of physical ailment, Whatever it is, whether it is something that you've got to go to doctors for repeatedly while they figure it out, or whether it is a severe case of the common cold, or whether you can't leave the porcelain throne because you are bowing all night and all day, and you all know what I mean, if there is some form of physical ailment that you are experiencing, I want to encourage you, do not harden your heart. 
Do not harden your heart to the obedience of God and your physical ailments. Turn to him. Lord, I, I am I'm sick and I am desperate, but your spirit is so much more desperate. Be reconciled fully. Know that you are, to the best of your ability, reconciled rightly to God. I want to encourage you, though it's not, it doesn't sound encouraging, but I want to encourage you. The physical ailment you're experiencing, maybe that God has allowed it, that Satan may test your faith, that you may endure in every kind of trial and consider it joy for the perseverance of your faith. This is one that we typically don't think about. Why am I sick? What's going on with me? Maybe God's simply giving you an opportunity to trust his goodness and his greatness in a new way. And maybe he will miraculously provide as he has done for the healing of your physical body. Or maybe he won't. And your physical body will continue to deteriorate as God has said we will return to the dust while your spiritual man is built up more and more to where you can be lying on a deathbed and say, I'm ready to embrace my Savior. Man, that we would all come to such an end. We don't spend enough time dwelling on or hastening or wanting the day of Christ to come. I like this life. I like my family. I like stuff. I like all of you. I want to embrace my Savior. I want to cast off this life and be with him. And so as your physical body deteriorates, and listen, I don't care what kind of health you're in. If you're here in the best and most prime of physical conditions that you can be, your body's deteriorating. I'll never forget the moment a chiropractor said to me, well, you've got a problem down here with your spine, and that's never going to get better. Oh, great. I'm not 40 yet. And that was a reminder. It's all wearing out. From the moment a baby enters the, enters the world, the body's deteriorating, not developing. Sure, it's growing. Sure, all of that. It's deterioration. From the very beginning, sin has ruined it. I want to encourage you. If you're suffering a physical ailment, it may be that God is intending to display his greatness and his glory in you through that. In John 9, that guy's blind and begging. And by the end of it, Pharisees are furious. People hate Jesus. And that guy's like, I don't know what the problem is. I was blind and now I see. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And you're like, oh, I just got to put up. No, no. Turn it. God, you have seen fit that I would endure this challenge. And it's a challenge. And I don't want to endure it. But you have seen fit. You have seen fit for me to endure this for the glory of your name. I want to encourage you. It may just be one of the effects of the fall that God has assigned to you to endure in this life. You don't get sick. You don't endure great physical trial and struggle and health concerns without God knowing. He's in control of all of it. And it may simply be that he has seen fit for you to glorify and honor him through that in this life.
in our disobedience, God may strike us physically even to death. Lastly, the opportunity for the hard-hearted to obey God has an expiration date. We see it in the ark. We see it when sulfur and fire rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy it and kill everyone in it. You can go to that region of the world still and it's just a barren wasteland of salty sand because God destroyed it for disobedience. We see it in, again, phrases like the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. We see it in the 10th plague here in Egypt when death visits them. We see it from Revelation 1 to the end of the prophecy. God has appointed a time when the opportunity for man to obey will be over. And so the warning that resounds to us is not just that there's an expiration date for our disobedience. It is, are you obeying now? Are you living a life of obedience to God and to his word? This is what's been so muddied and so jumbled for so long in so much of church history where we are obeying what a man says as opposed to appealing to the word of God and simply obeying what God says. You'll note that in everything I'm saying to you, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you how to dress. I'm not telling you what to watch, what to say, what to wear, what to eat, where to go, what to do. I'm telling you to obey God and his word. Obey God. The opportunity for the hard-hearted to obey God has an expiration date. Are you hard-hearted in something in your life right now? Has something caused you to have a callous toward God, toward the things of God, toward the people of God? Is there something growing over your softened heart of flesh that God gave you that is calcifying? Repent and obey God that that heart of stone may be brought under the pressure and weight of the gospel of Jesus Christ and again softened to the things of God, to the people of God, to the word of God. Pharaoh is, like many of us in this life, unfortunately, Pharaoh is running rapidly out of time. Look, he's not out of time yet because look at the start of the next plague. Let my people go. For this time, I will send all my plagues on you yourself so that you may know that there is none like me That opportunity is still there for him. Let him go. Let them go. As we go on sinning in our refusal to obey God, right? Disobedience is sin. Doesn't matter what flavor it is. To disobey the word of God is to sin. Pharaoh is refusing to obey the word of God. He is in sin. And as we go on in our sin, refusing to obey God, this is when Romans chapter 1 becomes so vital. We should pay attention to the fact that God says, Romans 1, 24, 26, 28, and he handed them over. And he gave them up. You have persevered in your sin so long, time has run out, and now live every sinful delusion that you want. Your time is up. Those are 
verses of condemnation found in Romans. But as we see Pharaoh persevering in his refusal to obey God, he is being handed over to the further hardening of his own heart. And now God is saying, I am I'm not allowing you. I've had a quote. It's in the bulletin if you want to take it with you. I liked this one. It's from Matthew Henry. He observed on this verse. This is what he wrote. Quote, If men shut their eyes against the light, it is just with God to close their eyes. Let us dread this as the sorest of judgment a man can be under this side of hell. Pharaoh is running out of time. And so are we in this life. God is loving. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is good. God desires for all people to be saved. God desires that none should perish. God desires that all should reach repentance. But he will by no means clear the guilty. We must obey God. The hard-hearted refusal to obey God and to believe in his son Jesus Christ has an expiration date. No man knows the hour of the master's return. That's why you must obey all the time, always, in all things. We must strive to obey. When Christ returns, he will settle accounts and the soul found in disobedience will be out of time. And this is why the gospel is so urgent. If in your hardness of heart you are disobeying God's word, then I appeal to you, as the scripture appeals to you, to repent and believe the gospel. The judgment of God is coming on those who are disobedient. May they not be named among us brothers and sisters. May we not walk in disobedience to the word of God, but in obedience as hard as it is. And this is why we need one another. It is hard for me to walk in disobedience. It is easier to walk in obedience when you are in lockstep and locked arm with other people striving to walk in obedience. This is why our relationships should revolve around the people of God, not the people of the world. Because when I walk with the people of the world, I do the things the world does. But when I walk with the people of God, I do the things that God wants his people to do. This is why we should be in community. Time is running out. Repent and believe in the gospel. We see Pharaoh, his heart hardened. God not allowing in this moment. The Lord hardened his heart. He did not listen as God said. And as Egypt and Pharaoh are writhing in pain, may we soften our hearts and obey God's word today. Father, merciful and gracious King, you are good Father, I pray for every soul in this room. Father, for every heart. May we heed the warning of your word, Father. In our disobedience, we deserve your judgment. Oh, merciful Lord. Help us according to your word to soften our hearts. Father, all we can plead is mercy. It is according to your mercy that you save. It is by your grace, through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. God, forgive us. Forgive us of our sin when we harden our heart to you, to the things of your word, to your people. Father, I pray that we would live with urgent expectation at your coming, but I pray, God, that we would live 
Father, living as though time is so short and that we would compel people to turn from their hardness of heart and to obey you. Father, you are good and you are gracious and you are merciful and I pray that you would go with us in that grace and in that mercy through the rest of this life until you call us home or you return. Father, be with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at info at Until next time, stay in God's word.